friends. Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're here to provide a safe space for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's in kinesiology and I'm currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant and a birth fit coach. I'm the blogger behind Hold the Space Wellness as well as a mama to two small kiddos. And I'm Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, birth fit Santa Cruz regional director, and mama to Evie Wilder. I'm also the owner of Radical Roots. Head over to MyRadicalRoots.com to find recipes, insights, and nutrition consulting. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hey guys, it's Jess and Laura again, and we are back. Hello. <laughs> uh, we are back for episode. What episode will this be? This is episode um, ten, part two. Ten. So part yeah, two. episode eleven. Episode eleven. Um, and if you remember, if you were with us on episode ten, we got a little long-winded about postpartum mindset. So today we are going to finish um, all the information that we have for that podcast, and so this will be postpartum mindset part two, and we will mm-hmm. be talking about a bunch of cool stuff: uh, body image, fitness loss of identity, partner relationships, and all that sort of good stuff. So we are going to um, do a really brief check-in, and I promise we're going to keep this (laughs) brief. Um, On that note, though, too, please comment, report back. Do you like hearing about our personal lives? Like, is that something you're interested in? Because if you want more of it, we'll gladly continue doing that. If you want less of it, we may listen. Um, So let us know. We have a hard time, okay? We live in different <laughs> states, so it's, this, this is, is catch-up time. Yeah, this is catch-up time for sure. So, um, oops, hold on. I think I lost my – oh, there we go. This is catch-up time for sure. So, Laura, how are you doing? Um, about 20 times better than last time we talked. So, for those of you who listened to episode 10 or part 1, I was – I didn't realize it, but like in the middle of full blown mastitis (laughs) and I thought I was kind of on the end of it, but that was like middle. The next day was actually pretty awful. So I am doing so much better now. I beat it. No antibiotics. Um, we can do a whole episode on mastitis probably for those of you who've dealt with it. It's gnarly, but I am feeling great. We just got back from a, um, a appointment with a functional medicine practitioner for Evie just to kind of like establish care with her. And that went really well. And, um, life is good. We had an awesome weekend. We Friday night, we went to a wedding. So Evie went to her first wedding and it was awesome. She was great. Timing was good with sleeping and eating. And I got to eat. We danced with her on the dance floor. That was super fun. And then Saturday, my parents came over and we went to lunch and got a drink. And then Sunday, Rusty and I checked out this new place. Those of you in Santa Cruz, there's this place called Abbott square market. And there's like a coffee shop and a pizza place and a brewery and a, there's wine and poke and like ice cream and stuff. So we went there and got a glass of wine and some pizza. They make a great gluten-free pizza crust. It's like focaccia and just sat in the sun and enjoyed life. So good weekend. And now it's Monday and we are recording and I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah. You look great. That place sounds like freaking heaven. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the coffee shop is our favorite coffee shop and it used to be the, they have another location like across town, like 15, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes away. And this one's like 10 tops. 
um, downtown. So there's lots to do. And it's genius of them. And the pizza was amazing. And they, they, they bring in their mozzarella from Italy and it's like all so good. And I had a rosé and I felt buzzed. <laughs> my, my tolerance is shot one yeah. glass of rosé. And I was like, okay, I'm buzzing. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big drinker anyways, but then like nine plus months of nothing. Yeah. Cause my thing was, I don't really want to drink much until like bleeding's really stopping. And yeah. I'm like totally on the, on the up and up from labor and delivery plus the mastitis. So I feeling good, had a glass and I was like, all right, I'm a one glass wonder now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're a cheap date. That's what my husband yeah. says about me. Honestly, after I had I, bear, um, my tolerance went like down and it has stayed down since then. Like yeah. I literally can have like a half glass of wine and be totally like happy. So it's so funny, it's which is great. I don't yeah. Wanna, yeah. I don't want to drink a bunch. I like that. I love the taste of wine. Mm-hmm. Rest and I are going to Napa to celebrate our four year, Jesus, four year anniversary in September. And we're going to bring Evie and stay in an Airstream in Napa. And, um, we've got two tastings set up. I'm excited to report back on those cause they're really awesome wineries and, uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I am so impressed with you. Honestly, I, even now traveling with kids, like just, I'm not excited about it. So you guys are wonder parents. Going we on try. Just booked flights or I've saved flights for Dallas in September for, um, the birth fit, uh, professional seminar. I'm going to potentially start to be a part of those. So we'll bring her, I'll bring Rusty. It's like, I, I'm not ready to do anything on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I need him. Um, especially if I'm going to be part of it, he needs to hold her while I participate. So, um, yeah, we'll see it. That'll be our first flights because of the whole fiasco of, of the last one. So we'll see how it goes, but so far so good. I like getting out with her and she's yeah. very good to us. So we feel very blessed. I feel like the, the earlier you get them out and about and like taken places, the easier it will be for them in the future and you guys. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and quick reference back to Liz's podcast about aware parenting. I did notice like this weekend, it was the like, three days in a row of like a ton of stimulus and this baby isn't a crier. Like she really doesn't cry much at all. Maybe like a minute or two a, t- a day, to be honest, <laughs> unless she's like starving and she can't get to my boo, but yeah. she's not a big crier. She lets us know what she needs and kind of in other ways. And last night she had probably like a, a five minutes of just like, I was holding her and she just cried before bed. Um, and you know, it was, it was, it's great for me, like just holding her and letting her cry and me feeling okay about her crying. And then she slept for almost five hours straight. So, um, it was, you know, that's, it's powerful stuff, but I definitely think that was a product of three days in a row of just like a lot of stimulus and a lot going on. She was probably processing it. Oh yeah. Um, but if you haven't listened to the episode, shoot, um, it's episode, uh, episode eight and nine. Those are the last two. Go back and listen to those. We talked to Liz all about aware parenting. It's been very powerful for, um, for our relationship with this little one as of, as of now. So reference back to that. Um, but how are you? I'm good. I, well, we talked off air. I had a little like mini freak out, um, last week, Mm -hmm. um, for this. Yeah. Probably hormonal related. So, um, you're definitely still postpartum forever. You're postpartum, but I think it's related. Yeah. But you know, and there's shifts like when breastfeeding slows down and you know, all that sort of stuff. So I'm kind of going through that, but I feel really good like the past couple days. And I had a solo day with the kids, um, on Saturday, which, you know, I, it's not that I can't parent alone. People do it all the time. Stay at home moms, obviously for right. years, but it's so much easier when you have a partner. Um, and so Tim was Especially doing, with two, I can only yes, imagine. And Tim was out, he took a class in welding, which is actually 
really amazing. He, um, I'm staring at his desk that he made in one day. Um, so that was good. He got to go out and do that. And, um, we actually had a great day. So that's really um, cool. It was really good. But other than that, I passed my CrossFit, uh, yay. I got, okay. I, what is it? You (laughs) passed the level one certificate course course test. Test. Yes. It's just not a certification. That's, that's the right. ca- that's the, the separator. The caveat, yeah. Because the level three and level four are the only certifications. And I know this, guys, because I work for CrossFit, and that's my other job is that yes. I do the certifications department. So, yes. If you're curious, only the level three and level four certifications, the level one and level two are certificate courses. <laughs> I passed my level one certificate course test. People are probably rolling their eyes at me. So that was exciting. And then, let's see. Other than that, Camille's birthday is this next weekend. By the time this airs, it will already have happened. Um, so we're kind of geared up for that too. So Wait, I thought it already happened. Well, her birthday was Friday. was past Friday. Okay, 21st. but then she's having a party. Yeah, we're having the party next weekend just because simple of... Simple Mills cake. Yes, we're making a Simple Mills cake. Shout because, out to Simple Mills because that's awesome. Um, I, I, it's so I re- great to have that option. Like there's an actual paleo cake mix. I know. I am so pumped. So I mean, I, with Bear, I did like a homemade cake. Mm-hmm. I think I found a recipe online somewhere, but it wasn't that good. Um, and it just took a lot of time. And so yeah. this is just easier. Easy I'm all peasy. about ease now. So. Easy button. Yeah. Yes. It's not like you're going to buy and no offense to anyone who did this, but like a Safeway cake or something right. here. Yes. It's going to be a little cleaner, which is awesome. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, sweet. That's Happy birthday, Camille. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. She had an ear infection for her birthday. So we had to take her to the doctor. Um, <laughs> cause she was like not sleeping, which isn't like her. She's actually my, my kiddo that sleeps pretty good. Um, and she was waking up so often that I was like, something is not right. Yeah. So we took her to the, the doctor and she had an ear infection. So she's already back to, back to normal. So sweet. Yay. Can you hear this one grunting yes. right now? Oh. <laughs> She's a grunter. I love it. (laughs) Um, Well, should we jump in? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So we're going to kick off. We got some really, so we're going to get into like the meat and bones of a lot of your guys' questions in this second part. Um, Because you guys had some great questions about like body image and relationships and kind of like postpartum stress and and whatnot. So, and like PTSD. So uh, let's just jump in and kind of just let's, I think we should kick off with the big one, which is body image and like this whole concept of quote unquote, getting your body back after, um, when you're postpartum. And it's one that drives me kind of out of my mind. Um, because mostly because of, I have no problem personally with you, with any woman, myself included, wanting to get back to maybe a prior weight or a prior fitness level or whatever the case may be. As long as you have this understanding that your body's done something miraculous and it's created and then given birth to a, a human. Um, so keeping that in mind and not beating yourself up and also understanding the timeline might be different for everyone, depending on how your labor and delivery went, depending on how your pregnancy went, et cetera. Having those goals. Awesome. Um, what I have a real issue with, and this actually affected me last week as like the media and companies that try and capitalize on women's potential insecurities postpartum. Mm -hmm. I got some message on Instagram that was like, we want you to be a, like, you want to have one of our wraps, you know, like those belly wraps. And I was like, first off, give me a effing break. I was so annoyed. I just, I did, I, I declined the message or whatever, but mm-hmm. not even going to engage, but I'm okay with it because I have no issues with where my body is now. Um, and, and I know that I'll get back, get to not even back. I will get to where I want to be. Um, but I, I just, it makes me feel sad for women who might 
that might be a trigger for them and they, or they might do it because like given to any gimmick or whatever, because they're insecure because society makes them feel that way. Um, so that's kind of my just like quick two cents that I'm sure I'll dive in more as we get into this more, but that's kind of where I stand on it. So no judgment. And I, I myself have goals in terms of where I want my body to be postpartum. Um, and I know, you know, I, I have fortunately have the tools to get there, but at the same time, um, I'm, I know that it will take time. You know, it took nine months to grow her and, um, just my whole mind shift is kind of, my whole mindset has kind of shifted. But then my, my issue is with when women beat themselves up or when society or companies or whatever media makes any, any mama feel less than that drives me out of my mind. So yeah, what your thoughts? Uh, um, well, so it's really cool to be able to watch you go through this whole process. And I've learned so much for you, from you all the time. Um, with my first, I, so kind of a little bit of a backstory, but like, I've always had body image issues, um, you know, tied to like perfectionist tendencies and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, eating disorder sort of tendencies, um, you know, to the point where I was like a hundred pounds soaking wet, looking at myself and like pinching my skin and being like, Oh my God, I'm so fat. Like it's skin, literally it's skin. Um, and so pregnancy was hard for me the first go round. Um, I was super cautious about my weight, like how much weight am I getting? Like I weighed myself all the time. It was so unhealthy. I just, I was just crazy. Um, and a lot of that had to do with, I didn't practice self-love beforehand. Like I didn't prepare, I don't know, mentally, I guess for like the changes that I was going to go through. So that postpartum period, in addition to a bunch of other factors was really rough for me because I did feel, so I'm a small person. I've always been fit. Um, and I, you know, see a lot of my friends and they would like just bounce back after pregnancy. Like their weight gain would go down, like their stomach, they'd be in a bikini, like six weeks postpartum and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's going to happen to me. Like that's going to, that's, how it's going to be. That's how my sister was. Um, that's how my mom was. So I just thought genetics is on my side. This is going to be fine. Um, and then postpartum, I did, I mean, I lost the weight fairly quickly, but my body was completely different in that I had serious stress, stretch marks. Mm. Um, I had the DRA, so the abdominal, um, split and then so much extra skin. Um, and that's just like the reality of it because the way I carry my babies, they're like torpedoes. They literally stretch oh, man. me out so much. Um, and so for me, I was hard on myself mentally. Um, so a lot of it was other people and like expectations that I felt, I felt like they had of me because of my background and fitness and, um, healthy eating and all this stuff. And then the, the pressure that I put on myself as well. My husband was great. I mean, he never, he loves me the way I am. Yeah, he's a gem. He is a gem. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, and so it wasn't anything like that. It was all from me. Um, and then, so that was rough. Um, and that took a long time to kind of work through. And then the second go around, I never once looked at the scale with Camille. Mm-hmm. I told myself, I'm going this, to this completely different. Um, and so I didn't look at the scale. I ate food that was healthy you know, and not always healthy, but you know, when I was hungry for something, I didn't deny myself the foods. Um, as long as I felt like I was eating fairly like 
nutritious diet. Um, and then postpartum, it was the same thing. It's like my stomach's already, it always, it's always going to look like that for the most part. Like I have stretch marks, I have extra skin, all that good stuff. But like my mental space is completely different. And so, you know, I'm not quite to the point where I'm like going to be wearing bikinis to the beach or anything yet, but I'm at the point where I can actually, but like, you could, but you, could. it's just, that's all. Yeah, of course. Yes. I could, if I, yeah, but yeah, I am at the place where I can actually look at my body and be like appreciative of what it has done and what it did, um, versus like hating it. Um, yeah. so that's huge. I think it's, it's, it's kind of the mental space of where you're at that has a huge impact of, mm-hmm are those messages going to affect you? Um, you know, if someone's sending you like, try my shrink wrap, whatever, or. Right. If I had gotten pregnant, um, two, three, three years ago, it would have been a different story. Um, and, and that's where like, I just, I, I feel fortunate almost like silver lining that like, even if we weren't trying that I couldn't have even accidentally gotten pregnant three years ago because of my, my infertility or my cycle not being here and whatnot. And it's just like all a matter of where you're at. You're, you're in such a different place now than you were with there. Um, Justin, even like in getting pregnant and yeah, I think that's a big part of it. It's all a journey, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It really is. And that's, the, we talk about this podcast on the podcast all the time. Like there's no, never any judgment. It's mm-hmm. more just like, I feel like it's all just learning. It's learning as you go. And so like, I didn't know the first go around and now I know, all right. Mm-hmm. And I prepared myself a lot better to deal with those feelings postpartum. Um, and then I didn't work out for like two years after bear was born. And I tried a couple times, but just like schedule wise, it wouldn't work. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of part of it. Like it's not just, and this is kind of a good segue into the next topic too, getting back into fitness, but I think looking at exercise as a means for how it makes you feel versus like changing your body um, is such a it's a much more healthy thing to go about it at least post yeah that and then also like functionality like having a strong core again if you listen back we talked about this in depth with Dr Erica Bolin on episode um, uh, six but. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um, but, uh, having a strong core is more of a functional human being and like, and mothers. Oh, does that sound weird? That was weird. <laughs> All right. Her elbow is on the, um, was on the mouthpiece. <laughs> Anyways, sorry guys. Um, having a core. So like being in a place where you want to just like mentally feel good, use exercise as a release and then also use like functional strength to help to, and just improve quality of life because you're able to do things better and hurt less and repair DRA and, and all those things. So thinking about it that way, that's what I like to think about it is like functionality. I will be a better mom and I will enjoy life more if I have strength and I'm fit. And also it, it is my release. Like my tribe is at our gym going there and working out and being a part of classes and all that is so huge for my sense of like self and my identity and my, just my mindset. So, um, I couldn't agree more looking at fitness in that mindset versus like, I need to go into the gym and work my butt off so that I get my body back. Your body is, you're never going to get your old body back period. Even if you look exactly the same, your body's done something so incredible and so empowering that no matter what your body is better than it was before. (laughs) That's how I'm, that's how I like to look at it. Like how cool is it? No matter how your labor and delivery went, no matter what you grew a human, you birthed that human, um, you fed that human or kept that human alive. Like that is, it's really powerful stuff. So 
I think that's important to keep in mind that like we're, we're badass and that's, it's so awesome. And, and it's, it's such a societal, like in other cultures where they're not bombarded by media and social media and TV and commercials and ads, there's, there's no thought of that. The women have like giant boobs and curves and, and fat, which is necessary in some cases to breastfeed, um, or to have fertility Mm -hmm. and they're celebrated for that. And so it's important to keep in mind all of those things. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And just a note about that. If you are breastfeeding, um, you know, you may find like, like me and I know a lot of other women you're, so people are are obsessed with like a weight number. Like, you know, I was this Mm -hmm. weight before I, you know, had my baby or before I got pregnant you may find that even if that is a goal of yours is to get back to a certain weight or whatever, that that's not possible breastfeeding. Um, because Mm -hmm. you do need a certain, for some women, myself included, you do need a certain level of body fat to maintain a good supply. And so for me, that was part of why I didn't work out very much with bears because every time I would try and work out, we would notice like an immediately drop, immediate drop in my supply. So if that is a goal of yours, um, to breastfeed for, however long, um, that is something that probably needs to be taken into consideration too. So, yeah. And I know women who like, they do want to go back to training just for functionality or for their, their, their mindset or whatever. And so they have to like really, really increase their calorie intake mm-hmm. every and time they work on days. Yeah. And then on the, on the flip side, I've got some good friends who, when they breastfeed, they, they almost, they don't waste away. That's, that's a mean thing to say, but they've been told that like you're wasting away or they have a hard time keeping weight on because of the breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing is like, whether you're commenting or hearing comments, if it, whether, whatever side of the spectrum you're on, whether you're breastfeeding and you're very, very thin because of it, because the baby's, you know, taking a lot of stuff from you again, make sure you're eating enough, make sure you're getting in a lot of nutrients and probably needing to supplement. Um, or whether you have to hold on to more fat to breastfeed, like that's what your baby needs. That's what your body needs in that moment. And again, it's a thing to celebrate versus like my body's capable of feeding my baby um, versus, and so both ends of the spectrum, whether it's like extra thin, you can't keep on muscle, you can't keep on weight, or you have to keep on a little extra weight. Um, you know, there's both ends of the spectrum there. Totally. So awesome. We're trying yeah. to keep on track here today. So, <laughs> <laughs> and this is something we could go into, uh, you know, we'll probably, totally. have, I'd like to have a, a specialist on here, um, about like, you know, body image and, and mindset, because this is something that I know you have already, you just mentioned you dealt with. Mm-hmm. I was, I dealt with this a ton in in high school and a little bit in college of the same thing. Like I was kind of female triad where like I exercised a ton. I was training for my sport. That's all I thought about, you know, varsity captain or whatever. And I mm-hmm. just, wait, I, I lost so much weight again, like frail thin thought I was eating well, wasn't feeling my body right. Thought I needed to be so skinny. Um, and so I think this is something that so many women have dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, probably a lot of women who, who listen to this podcast. So I'd like to dive into this more at a later date as well. Oh, totally. I feel like it's definitely warrants further in-depth discussion. So, mm-hmm. um, kind of segues into the next topic though, which yeah. is getting back into fitness. So what I'll let you kind of lead the, the talk on this since you actually have gone through the birth fit training and it's kind of like your yeah. specialty. <laughs> Something <laughs> I love. And I'm, I'm right in the middle of, well, I'm not in the middle by any means. I just started the birth fit postpartum programming and it's been lovely. The first two weeks I do it in my living room without a bra on and barefoot, <laughs> sometimes in sweats, you know, it's just like sometimes holding Evie. So I think it's very important. I think a lot of women want to, um, 
it's again, things we see on social media where there's like, uh, there'll be like a series of photos and there's like a mom with a belly. And then it's like three weeks postpartum and she's got a six pack or whatever. That's not necessarily real reality. First off, she's probably some crazy pose she's doing to make her look, you know, even fitter than she potentially is at that moment. Or maybe she, it's just genetics or whatever. That's her story. And so and making sure, I think most importantly, that we are listening and living our own stories and our own lives and our own experience. And every person's going to be in a different place. So I started the postpartum programming at two weeks postpartum because I felt really great. And I was paying attention to how much I was bleeding and how my body felt and my mindset and everything, energy levels. Um, some people started at six weeks. Some people started at three months. You know, postpartum lasts forever. So whenever you decide to get back into fitness is dependent upon your headspace your physical space, your emotional space, where you are with your baby, your sleep, everything. There's so much that plays into it and there's no one right way or one right time. You might go to your six week checkup and they're like, you're clear to exercise. That doesn't mean that that day you need to go to the gym and kick your butt. That means that, Hey, when you're ready, when you feel mentally and emotionally and physically ready, you can begin something. And, um, beginning something in my mind is just starts with just breath work. That's it. Period. Cause your, your diaphragm needs exercise and needs training, especially because of all this, you know, you grew a human, all your organs moved around, your diaphragm was smushed, everything's, you know, everything and your pelvic floor. So now if you can work on proper breath work as the very first thing you do for maybe just two weeks of just working on breath work, then you're, you're kind of retraining your pelvic floor and your diaphragm to work together and strengthening those and improving that space. So then you can start thinking about, and that's your core, you know, and then you can start thinking about some more stuff. So a little bit more core strengthening. And then, and then we can start talking about like squats and deadlifts and presses and using weight beyond just your own body weight and getting back into the gym. So I'd say when you're going to start fitness and my, my, opinion, it's, it's likely best to just start at home. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to prove anything to anyone. You don't need to show up to the gym necessarily, unless you want to, you can do all this stuff in any setting, but I love the idea of beginning your fitness journey, very low pressure at home and having like a mindset like, Hey, today I'm going to spend 10 minutes on myself working on breath work. And it makes you feel like, Hey, I've done something to take steps towards returning to fitness where it doesn't have to be black and white today. I didn't exercise tomorrow I'm going to the gym and I will exercise. It's like there are walking with your baby in a wrap or whatever, holding, uh, wearing your baby, doing breath work, doing functional progressions, doing a little bit of core, a core stabilization. That stuff is fit, is working towards fitness. It's not black and white, either sitting on the couch or going to the gym. It can be five, 10 minutes taking steps towards fitness. And that can happen again, as I said, anytime it can happen two weeks postpartum, it could happen a year postpartum. It could happen even later if that's where you need to be. But I think the sooner we can get back to building our core strength and working, taking baby steps towards fitness, not only are you taking time for yourself, but you're also taking time to then, you know, get that functional strength and fitness back, which will just help um, alleviate any discomfort, any potential pelvic floor issues, any potential uh, diastasis issues. So, uh, that's my somewhat brief two cents there. <laughs> what no, do you think? I love it. No, it's, it's perfect. And it's just like you said, I mean, again, I always, I, I hate comparing the two experiences, but I mean, that's, that's my story. It's like mm-hmm. the first, after my first experience postpartum, I tried to run at like six weeks and I peed myself and yeah. I was like, what the hell? Ugh, heck, red um, flag, right? <laughs> red flag. But I just, I didn't do anything about it. Um, And I just would continually start to try and get back into CrossFit or whatever on my own. And 
it, my body was just telling me, you're not ready. Like I, little did I know I, I needed to work on my core. Um, but I, I just didn't know I didn't have the tools or the information or, or any of that. Um, and then when I went to my GP, they were like, Oh, it's normal. Like it'll be fine. Like wear a pad, blah, blah, blah. Common and normal are two different things. And that drives me nuts. Peeing your pants is not normal. You don't have to pee your pants forever, but it is common, you know? And so when medical, sorry, I'm this quick vent. When (laughs) medical practitioners say it's normal, then women walk, live the rest of their lives, like peeing their pants when peeing the pants is not an issue so much as why it's happening. It's pelvic floor dysfunction, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, that's, I'm happy for you to jump in. It's so that was my first story. And then at that point I was like, I don't have time. I'm just going to forget about it. I'll work out at some point later on in my life. And, you know, honestly, I get that. I get moms who say that they don't have time, um, because I did the same thing and I still really don't have time, but it's not about, it's not about like working out to get fit again. It's about, like you said, self love it's self care. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily even just working out. It's like doing core work because that's important because to get your body back to not body back, like body back, but like to get your body back to like a stable place, like a healthy place and maybe Um, healthier than you've ever been and more stable and stronger core. You know, I love that too. Yeah. And that's where I feel like I'm, I'm getting at this point. So Mm -hmm. the second go around, I took a whole nother. (laughs) (laughs) Should I I call her out on that one or should I just ignore it? Sorry again. Proceed. (laughs) I love it. Um, baby sharks. Uh, I lost my train of thought, but no, second go around taking the time. And I didn't, I didn't start doing anything until eight months postpartum. It's just like you said, it doesn't matter when you do it. Um, obviously it's better for you in the long term, and the sooner you can get going with everything. Um, but it's never too late to kind of work on that. And my little two cents about the fitness thing is I had my CrossFit research thing this past couple weekends ago and I haven't been doing, I've been laying kind of like a strength foundation, like working on my core and building up some strength so that I can start doing wads hopefully soon. And so I haven't been doing anything heavy, intense cardiovascular wise. And I did the cert and it was really hard for me being a competitive person and a competitive athlete prior to all of this, um, to go out there and kind of pace myself and see other people doing all this stuff with no problems. So that's something that I would just want to kind of speak to a little bit. It's like you, as hard as it is, respect your body where it's at. Try not to go out there and, and push yourself too much because it's just going to cause damage. Um, mm-hmm. nothing's going to be accomplished, you know, <laughs> Except your pride may be a little wounded if you don't come in first place or whatever, but that's okay. easily recoverable. I would just ca- exactly. caution everyone just to kind of ease back into it and listen to your body. That's and of, I think that's, that is done by like, what you, depending on the fitness, the, I mean, the mindset you go into it with, right? Mm-hmm. If you go in with the mindset, I've got to, I've got to get my body back. You're more likely to probably push past where you should, mm-hmm. because your goal is not necessarily um, aligned with like what your body needs at the time. Yeah. But if you go into it, like I'm building core strength and I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm, you know, then it's like, it's way easier to pull back or to take baby steps. Um, because you know, it's like, it's, it's a long journey back to, you know, f- being fit. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah. So that's the, honestly, that's the biggest difference this go around versus the first go around. I, the first go around thought it should be quick. And if it didn't, if I wasn't able to do it quickly within a few weeks, I just would give up this time Mm -hmm. around. I mean, I'm on my second Wendler cycle, which is a four week, like training, like strength training cycle. Um, and I just like show up every day. I'm like, I'm just going to show up and do it. Like see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's a short thing I can do. And I am just so much happier. And I'm looking at it in the mindset of like, this is forever. You're like, I have forever to get strong again and I'm going to do it right. And so that's, if you can just take that, that mental shift, like it doesn't, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I think it'll make a huge difference, at least for anybody. If like you're listening to my story and that resonates with you, anyone who's like me, um, I think that can probably be the biggest takeaway. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now. Like I, I talk to my friends and I'm like, I cannot wait to get back into my husband comes home from the gym and he's like sweaty and he tells me what the workout was. And part of me is like, Man. but at the <laughs> same time, if I ever, when I I'm going to get there way sooner, if I take it slow and there's that, this like weird thing, it's hard to wrap your mind around the slower you go or the more intentional, I think not necessarily the slower you go. Cause everyone's going to move at a different pace, but the more intentional you are about returning to fitness, the quicker you'll get back there. And that intentionality might mean that you have to go slow. But going slower and listening to your body means you'll get back sooner than if you try and just jump in. Um, so, totally, yes, fitness will always be there, and and it's there right now. If you want to start like in this moment, just start doing breath work and start doing. We'll start with functional progression number one. If you go, we'll link to it. But um, and that's a way where you can start working towards fitness, no matter how far postpartum you are, and. Um, it doesn't take hours. You don't have to leave the house. You can just do it at home and air squats. I, you can do like box squats to your couch, work on sitting down to the couch and standing up, keeping your shins vertical and, and, um, and maintaining your, your, uh, your lumbar and, and holding that core strength. So, you know, things you can do at home, walk with your baby. Um, I love, I love all that. And it doesn't take a gym membership. It doesn't cost money. It doesn't take much time. So you can start there. And then as you progress, then you can start looking into, okay, get back into the gym or buy a membership somewhere or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. And then this kind of segues into the next one of this, this concept of like feeling like you've lost your identity and maybe mourning your old life. So if you were super competitive in the gym, you might feel like that part of your identity is gone or you might mourn that part of your life or people might only look at you now as a mom instead of thinking of you as like that really badass fit chick or, or whatever, like whatever, maybe your career, you were into other things and you, those, you don't have time for that at this time because you're now postpartum. Um, but I think it's so important to remember that yes, you're a mom and that's a beautiful thing but that's not all you are and holding on to that and still like taking time every day to do things that matter to you, whether it's reading a book or going for a walk or drawing or, you know, whatever it is that's your thing, 10 minutes to to work on your fitness, then you can kind of hold on to that part of your identity. And as baby gets older and is a little bit less dependent, I guess I don't, I will see, uh, (laughs) you can maybe take more time for those things or maybe not, but just holding on to little pieces of that, I think is huge getting outside, um, being social. Uh, we've been taking, I know I talk about this a lot. We've been taking EV lots of different places and going out and doing things when, when we can, you know, and there's times when we have things planned and we have to say, sorry, um, it's not going to work for us this evening because for whatever reason, you know, I'm beat babies beat, whatever it is. Um, but when you can get out, be social, um, 
finding groups of other moms who are in a similar situation. Like I know we have a really cool lactation uh, meeting every week here at, at our local hospital. And my friend's gone and she's met some amazing friends there. I haven't been yet. Um, <clears throat> those kinds of things, uh, finding your tribe. <laughs> we talked in another episode about this, but, um, you know, finding people who are, you could even go back to the episode. We give all kinds of ideas about, um, like finding your tribe in episode seven. So that's a good one to go look back at, but yeah, those are some of my thoughts on that. What do you think? So I struggled with this. Um, mm-hmm. again, my first go around, I, I just was not in a good place. And so a lot of my struggles from day one was like, I, I, I just couldn't, I felt like I could not do anything that I used to do. Um, I mean, like from taking a shower to watching a TV show, I literally was like, I can't watch a TV show because bear's going to wake up and it's pointless. Um, and a lot of that had to do with just me having unrealistic expectations of his sleep ability at a young age. Um, and so that a lot of that was just, just being naive. Um, but also like for me, not that I was old, or am old by any means, but like we had bear right before I turned 30. And so I feel like, which is totally normal nowadays, but like, I also feel like my husband and I were like pretty like set in a lot of our ways and things we like to do and like go to brunch and, you know, all this stuff that we were quote unquote able to do before kids. Um, so for me not being able to do that stuff, I took it really, really hard. Um, and again, I was probably in a space where there was some like postpartum anxiety and depression stuff going on. So a lot of people handle this a lot better than, than I did. Um, but it was really hard for me. Um, and I don't know, everything felt so overwhelming. Every little thing felt overwhelming. Um, from just waking up in the morning and trying to like get out the door and go to work and get bare to his daycare, everything was stressful. Um, even though it really wasn't, if that makes sense, it was my reaction to it all. Um, and so I had a hard time with that. And again, the second time around, I was just in a better place and realizing that like, I'm a mom and I get to be a mom and this is, I'm, I'm lucky to have these kiddos. Mm -hmm. Not saying that I don't have bad days where I'm like, Oh my God, like I just need five minutes without like a hand under the bathroom door. (laughs) They still find you in there. They're like, shaking the door, yelling at you. Um, so yeah, it's not that I don't have those days anymore. It's just, again, the mindset, it's like, this is for a lifetime. Like I'm never going to go back to the person that I was. And I feel like that's a good thing too. It's like, I have so much more empathy, so much more patience, so much more understanding for other moms and parents out there. Um, I'm a better person now than I was before kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And so looking at it that way, not like, shoot, I can't just pick up and go to brunch or I can't sleep in all day. I'll get to sleep in one day, you know, in about 20 years, I'll probably get to sleep in maybe even sooner than that. Maybe when they're like 10, they'll be able to pour their own. Yeah. We don't need cereal, but they're going to, I bet you like when they're teenagers, they're going to want to sleep in and then then you can sleep in. That's what my husband husband and I always joke. Like, when are they going to, when are we going to be like waking them up at noon? (laughs) Yeah. When is that going to happen? Totally. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. We wish. Um, So that's my two cents. But we did have a listener question um, Mm -hmm. 
kind of to speak to this, but she was talking about second child guilt. And this is, you know, Laura, whenever you guys get to that point, um, Mm -hmm. something that we went through or I went through specifically, um, basically when you feel like through pregnancy, you, you worry, are you going to love this? The second one as much, are you going to be able to give the first one as much attention as you want to, um, you know, all those things. It's just, it's, it's, it, you run it through your mind and you don't know what's going to happen. And so, but you make yourself sick thinking about it. Um, and so the, this reader, you know, she's dealing with that. Um, and she's also nursing her baby. And so she can't really pass the, the quote unquote, pass the baby off to husband to like get some time with the, the first one. Um, mm-hmm. and so I feel like I'll speak to this a little bit. And then Laura, of course you can add anything that are your thoughts going into it. But I had this, these worries. Um, first of all, during pregnancy, I worried about it constantly. Um, I felt like my baby was going to feel unloved, you know, um, which, you know, he's was about to be three. So it's, it's a very hard transition for some kiddos. Um, mm-hmm. we talked about this before. It's like, if your husband showed up one day with a new wife and was like, Hey, we, I love you so much. It's been so great being married to you. I thought that we'd go ahead and bring like, (laughs) get another one, get another. I thought I'd get another one. She's going to be with us forever and we're going to split time. Yeah. I'm gonna have to give her a little bit of time, more time now to start, but eventually. (laughs) And so if you think about it that way, it's like, damn, Damn. (laughs) (laughs) that sucks. But, you know, some kids are more sensitive to it. Some kids do fine. And Bear ended up actually, uh, there was a little bit of an adjustment period, but it was more just us, like, having to teach him how to be gentle with the baby and and on all that good stuff. But we really did, Bear was a mama's boy. And so one thing, one beautiful thing that came out of this whole situation is she's right. It's like you are the sole provider for this new little infant for the time being, um, especially when they're young, you're the one who has to nurse them. You know, you can pass quote unquote, pass them on. You can have your husband, you know, do the other things like diaper changes or when baby's sleeping, have him wear the baby. Um, Tim loves loves baby wearing. Oh. It's like, there's nothing hotter than a dad. I keep telling her that he hasn't worn her yet. Oh my god, we're gonna do it. He needs to because there's nothing better than that. Um, So having the having your your spouse wear the baby, um, you know, just doing all the things other than nursing that they possibly can. That's not only going to bond their connection with the new baby, but also Mm -hmm. free up some time for you to be able to devote to your your firstborn. And then. the, uh, what I was going back to what I was saying, the beautiful thing that came out of it is my husband and my son spent a lot of time together. Um, and so before when bear was what I would consider a mama's boy, um, now him and his dad are like best friends. And it has literally been the most heartwarming thing to see develop over the last year. Um, whereas before he would really rely on me for a lot of things. Like, even if it was like, can you get me a snack? And I would say, oh, daddy can do it. He's like, no, I want you to get it for me. Like, I, like <laughs> daddy is not capable of pouring you a glass of milk. Oh, my God, that's um, funny. And so now it's like, it's just, it's all around more, it's more, what's the word I'm looking for? Evenly distributed as far as the load and, and what both of us can do. Um, so that's kind of my two cents. Let your husband do stuff. Like, they want to, um, mm-hmm. whether it's with the older one 
or the younger one. And, you know, when you get the chance, really try and it doesn't have to be a long time, but connect with your, your firstborn. And what I mean, like, it doesn't have to be a long time. Like you don't have to spend a whole day with them to show them that you're there and that you love and support them. Whether that's like, I'm going to read you a bedtime story or, you know, I'm going to bathe you tonight or whatever. Um, taking those opportunities when you can get them, I think is huge. So that's my two cents. Laura, yeah, I, love it. Any thoughts? I can't really comment on this one yet, <laughs> <laughs> but I look forward to maybe two plus years from now yeah. when we can touch back. Cause we'll still be going with this podcast. Yeah. I, I could see how it'll be so hard. I've got friends yeah. who've done it. Um, I think getting the little, the sec, the first child involved as much as possible, like starting with a pregnancy, that's what I've seen my friends do. Like starting a pregnancy, like get them involved, like, so they know what's happening. So it's not a surprise one day, like there, you have a baby sister or brother in, inside of mommy and she'll he or she'll be joining us and in like help having him help in some way or you know have like some tasks so that he gets excited to do every day like you know you get to wipe baby down or I don't oh, know oh totally you're spot like on that. spot I on think would be kind of cool yeah we did that we re- there's a lot of books like on Amazon and stuff like you can read preparing the older one for the baby and we did the same thing I was like can you go get mm-hmm. mommy a, a diaper because baby sister really needs it or like talking yeah. to them, like when she was crying or something, you know, he would get like, like, what the heck, you know, like what's going on here? And kind of tell like, you know, like commiserating with him, like, oh man, sister's crying. Like she's upset, yeah. like explaining like what's going on. Like mama has to feed her. Um, and like bear, he's totally like supports breastfeeding 100%. <laughs> he's always yeah. like when she was really little and crying, he'd be like, mama, she's hungry. Like give her mama milky. It's like help her, you know? So it's adorable. Like if you just uh, talk to your kids, even when they're young, they understand that's going to just not only help them in the moment, but prepare them for their future. You know, when they have kids and they have a spouse Mm -hmm. to support and breastfeeding is, they see breastfeeding as normal or whatever it is, you know? Um, yeah, I feel like it starts young. You couldn't agree more. (laughs) Okay. So, there's one. So we have two more topics. We have, um, an emotional topic and then about your relationship. And we really want to get through these. So Mm. we'll try and, um, keep our answers succinct. Um, but the relationship one is going to be huge and we'll end with that. Um, but just keeping in mind, we're probably going to do a whole separate podcast on this topic, but we Mm -hmm. wanted to address some of the initial questions that we got. But first, so one reader is asking about um, PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and specifically, it's the little background to her um, situation, is that she feels like she has a stress response to crying from a pretty difficult newborn phase. Um, and she's kind of just asking for our, our thoughts on, is this just emotional stress? Is this normal? Or is it something you would consider to be post-traumatic stress um, disorder? How would we recommend combating that response? She has said that she's tried some quote unquote me time, but she still feels like emotionally frayed. Um, gosh, I have so much to say about this. I'm going to let Laura go first and see. Okay. What Cause saying. I won't have as much. Well, I'm going to see what <laughs> you say and I don't want to repeat myself if you have okay, so information. My thought would just be, I, I can uh, openly say that I I'm not dealing with a baby who cries a lot. Um, and I will say that and we feel very blessed, but I also think part of that is because we are doing the 
cry in arms, like aware parenting thing, um, letting her get that out. And so I would, I would recommend definitely listening back to the episodes with Liz Wolf, uh, eight and nine, because we talk a lot about this and talking to someone, a therapist of some sort, because a big part of this whole thing is like our discomfort with crying stems from potentially our lack of being able to cry when we were little. So I, I wonder if you were able to kind of talk through the anxiety that comes with your baby crying or thinking or hearing a baby cry or thinking about a baby cry because of that tough period. Part of it might stem from your discomfort with the emotions that come with crying. And this is just, um, this is hypothetical. I'm not saying this to you in particular, but oftentimes discomfort with hearing someone cry, whether it's an adult or a baby or a kid wanting to be like, it's okay. It's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. That stems from a discomfort or maybe, maybe potentially we weren't able to cry when we needed to, because crying is a, a way to release stress. So that's one thing for me when she, when we, she first came home, if she would get fussy or cry, I would like, it made me uneasy. And part of that was maybe potentially my own inability to cry when I was little, but I've, I've talked in past episodes, I've done some work myself with a therapist and I'm really okay crying now. Um, I think it's powerful. I actually love a good cry. And so I think more, it was my concern that what was wrong with her. I wanted to fix her. I wanted to fix what was making her unhappy. And now shifting my mindset to crying isn't necessarily that something's wrong with her. It's her ability to, pro- that's the only way a baby can process things. So whether it's a traumatic birth experience or a super, um, busy day where she's been, um, overstimulated potentially, or just not even overstimulated, just stimulated a lot. It's her processing all that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and there's actual stress hormones in tears that they can find. So by releasing, just like we need to sweat to get, um, to get stuff out, toxins out, we need to cry to get stress out. And so that, that shift for me helps has helped a ton with being okay. Just holding her, letting her cry and telling her like, it's, it's okay. Let it out. It's, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, it's been very powerful. And, so that would be my first thing would be potentially just to talk to somebody about it, about your feelings, about that, that period of your life. Um, and, um, with the baby crying and the tough newborn stage. And, um, and so listening back to those episodes with Liz and also, um, the aware babies a really, a really awesome book. And then, um, talking to somebody working on, on mindfulness and, um, just processing it yourself. And it's not just like the crying is not just about the baby. It's also about, about the mama, Um, and so, um, that's what I can say speaking to my own experience. Um, but we're fortunate that up to this point, she doesn't cry a ton. Um, but at the same time, like, I think for me, a shift in mindset of crying isn't necessarily like last night, for instance, we were all snuggled in the bed and my husband had to get up early and she just like, she kept popping on and off the boot. It was kind of frantic. Like, I don't know what's happening. I could tell, like she just needed to process some stuff. So we went to the living room. I just held her and I, I literally just said, it's okay, go ahead and cry. And she just, she cried like really a, a serious cry for about, you know, th- I forget, I don't know how long it's all time warped, but probably like a few minutes, maybe five. And then we went back in the room. She fed for a nurse for a little bit and then slept for four plus hours. So and I think part of it's just like me being okay, like, Hey, cry. And, um, doesn't directly answer her question, but I think in some ways it's kind of related. And so I would be curious to know if some of that stress, um, uh, comes from her need to maybe cry or to, to think about her own feelings when it comes to crying and why it's so anxiety provoking, which I think so many people, especially our generation, um, could benefit from, because I think when we were little, it was like, keep the baby from crying, (laughs) you know? 
Um, so that's my thought on that. What about you? You're muted. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like nodding along like, okay, I'm mute. Um, so yes, I agree 100% with everything that you said. Number one, the, the therapy, I cannot just, I cannot emphasize enough how much I wish because I, I empathize with this this Mm -hmm. follower, like, 100%, 110% actually, if you can possibly do that. But I wish I would have spoken with someone about that. And without knowing her whole story, you know, was there some birth trauma? Was there some expectations that were not met as far as her, you know, birth story or her newborn phase? Um, You know, was there other factors, colicky, reflux, you know, all these different things that can go into having what I would consider a high needs baby. So a baby that does express themselves through crying a lot more frequently than other babies. Um, you know, so there's things like that to consider. So I would definitely, again, talking to someone, everything that Laura said, you know, what is it about the crying that triggers you, I guess, because for me it was about control. So, mm-hmm because that's the kind of person I am. And I recognize that I needed, I need to feel in control a lot of the time. And when I don't, I start to go a little bit crazy. And so when bear was a baby, um, again, he cried all the time. He had, I mean, Oh God, just cried. And and it was like his diaper was changed. He was fed. He was tired. He would not go to sleep. Um, And so I had PTSD, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I mean, technically, I don't know if it's PTSD, but it is a heightened emotional response to where the fact that when he would cry later on, um, after we were kind of out of that phase, I would have that like very visceral, visceral reaction. But it was mostly because it's like, I didn't know what to do. I did not know how to quote unquote fix him, which was what my goal was because I hadn't Mm -hmm. been through any like aware parenting or I didn't know that babies like it's okay for them to cry. Um, I tried everything to get him to stop. Um, and so I think just being aware of all the things that you said that it's normal for babies to cry, that that's how they really stress. It's not like they can go take a yoga class and like feel better (laughs) about life. They're they're just completely helpless. Like imagine that they can't, they can't really move to release stress. They can't like, they can't do anything. Mm -hmm. So all they have is crying. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So knowing that it's a normal response going into it is helpful. Again, therapy. I second that. I can't, I 100th that, um, I can <laughs> like that <laughs> enough. Um, but that's, that's a huge part of it. Um, the second time around, and again, I don't know how she, what her perception of parenting is, but the, the first time around, again, I was trying to force my baby to sleep, to be on a schedule, to do all these things that I thought that he was supposed to be doing at certain milestones. And I'm actually writing a blog post about this right now about sleep. Ooh. Um, but emotional connection is with your baby and promoting that bond is the number one thing I think you should be focused on for the first, I don't know. I mean, forever, obviously, but when they're newborns, they have only a few needs. They need to eat, they need to sleep, and they need to feel safe 
with you. And this is kind of going off on a tangent. I know we need to talk about relationships, but um, if I would have, and I don't know this for sure, but if I would have just calmed the heck down, held him more, fed him when he was hungry and not tried to like space out feeds or like, Oh, he Mm -hmm. ate and I, he already ate an hour ago. I shouldn't be feeding him again. It's like like such bullshiz. (laughs) And that's what I did differently the second time around. I'm going to wrap this up because I could go on forever. The second Mm -hmm. time around, I just listened to my baby. I held her. I fed her. I tried to minimize not minimize crying, like, shh, like be quiet, but like just try to meet her needs so that she didn't need to cry as much, you know? And so I don't know if that answers this reader's question, but I think it does. Um, I think like immediate tools for her would be like, what can she do? I think mm-hmm. talking to someone is just huge. huge or, and whether it's a therapist or like a really understanding friend or a partner or whatever, I think just talking about you know, her feelings, why she potentially feels this way, getting through it. Um, it could, nothing could be more powerful. And then at the same time, like if she it's so she's got some PTSD. Um, is she, I don't remember. I don't see here whether she's like planning, she's having another one. So she's worried about the second time around. I think that's what it was. Um, if that is the case, then, then second time around, just maybe like a different mindset going into it. I'd say, get that book, read that book. Um, see if that works for you. And, uh, but yeah, I think I I do. I think we, we answered that. I think we gave her some stuff to work with. You're muted again. (laughs) One more thing I wanted to say, I was thinking about this when you were talking is, um, I would also, if she hasn't listened to the episode with, um, Megan Blacksmith about hormone stuff, I know for a fact that I had some hormone imbalance. So my stress reaction to a lot of things, that situation was heightened just because the state of my hormones. So if she's feeling like abnormally emotionally frayed, it might be worth taking a look at, um, you know, getting hooked up with a functional medicine practitioner or somebody that can help you kind of navigate that because it's very likely, um, that you have a lot of cortisol flowing through your body. And so a good thing for you to do to immediately combat that response would be to try and get those levels under control. Um, and somebody like Megan, um, would probably be super duper helpful. So right on. Yeah. Okay. Last Last but not least, we're talking about partner relationships. So in this little niche, we're going to be talking about sex life, emotional connection, you know, all that sort of thing. So, um, we had a lot of questions about this, so we're going to try and hit them all in the next like 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Maybe less. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> less. We'll see. Um, so, yeah. Go I, you want to go first or should I go first? Go or? for it. Go for it. Okay. I'll touch on it. I think, um, a big thing for my relationship with my husband was, um, having him involved as much as possible. Cause it's kind of like what I said with the, with the, with the first child, but throughout pregnancy, like from the moment we found out we were pregnant, going through that together, coming to the appointments that he, that he could come to, um, letting him know how I was feeling, being open with him, talking to him, having him rub my feet, like whatever it was, like, um, talking about how I was feeling emotionally about how I envisioned our daughter to be like as much as I could without being obnoxious or, you know, is is kind of include him in that. Um, a really, really, really huge thing for my husband and I actually hope to have him on and yours too, to talk about this, but having him involved in the labor and delivery. And he will, he will talk 
my husband's not a huge talker, but he'll talk till he's blue in the face about this um, in and of itself is that being a part of that, he was my person when I was laboring. Um, my doula was there, but she was, she was helping me, but also helping him help me. Um, and then he, he caught the baby and he cut the cord and he climbed in bed with us and, and he's, you know, saw, he was the first one to touch her and to, I'm going to start crying and to like, you know, to, to see her head when she was coming out. And so for him being so connected from that early point has made these early weeks, um, really, really amazing for him too, because the reality is that in the first weeks, especially if you're breastfeeding, um, exclusively that dad can't do quite as much as mom. It's just the way that it is. You know what I mean? And so for him to feel that connection immediately and immediate skin to skin. So she's, she was on me for a while. And then, you know, he had a lot of quality skin to skin time. And when we're just around the house, taking off his shirt, taking her clothes off skin to skin as much as possible has been really, really huge. Um, and building their relationship, which then makes him feel more involved with, with the fact that we have a newborn, which then makes him more empathetic to where I'm at, which then bonds us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a big thing that can come between partners is that the the mom feels like she's holding the load, like it's all on her. So getting the husband involved, not only bonds him with the, or the partner, not only bonds him or her with the baby, but also is going to then strengthen that relationship between the two of you because he's going to be able to, he or she will have more empathy for, um, whoever's breastfeeding or whoever, you know, the, the mom in the picture. So I think that's really, really important. Um, um, because there's not going to be sex and touching a lot of touching and stuff immediately, both because of hormones and because you're tired and you're breastfeeding and you're most of the time holding a child. <laughs> um, so having him just be involved has been huge for us. Um, and then letting him know where I'm at, like understanding that, Hey, after six weeks, we'll get cleared for sex. And that's something that I'm thinking about. Like it's on my mind. It's on my radar. Like our intimate relationship is not something that I'm just like forgotten about it still exists. It's still on my mind. Um, you're on my mind, making sure I say thank you when he does things, um, for us is that's really helpful for him to know that he's appreciated. Um, and then, and just, just things like that, you know, I ask him to do a lot <laughs> and things that we used to share, you know, that now fall on him. And so, um, I think just the, the power of just a thank you and being trying to be appreciative as much as possible has been really powerful um, building our emotional relationship. I did my first postpartum visit with our therapist, with my therapist myself, but I brought Evie, but then he's going to start coming with me. So I think that's going to be great for us. Not because there's strife, but just because it helps, it helps us to understand where each other are. And it gives us like that hour to just talk about our emotions, which is easily gets, gets lost in the day to day, just like life, you know, um, dates don't have to stop because you have a baby. Um, I understand that our baby doesn't cry as much as some others, but like just uh, last night, you know, I was like, he grilled us some, uh, some steaks. I made a salad and we ate dinner together, whether you're holding a baby or whatever the case may be, like still trying to do those things that maybe were special before the baby came. Um, if you can doing them, uh, with baby there date night doesn't have to be babysitter comes and you guys leave. You can have dates with the baby around. So I think that's been big for us. And then just like, touch his shoulder when I walk by or like put my feet on him and he rubs them stuff like that where we can touch without it necessarily being sexual, um, has been really great as well. Uh, so yeah, that's my bit. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty much everything I was going to say. Um, I will come at it from a slightly different angle because mm-hmm. <laughs> I always, I mean, we have it's two good. different babies. Um, yeah, and so exactly. like with mine, with bear, it's like, we, 
we couldn't, and I don't necessarily looking back, it's like, I don't know if we couldn't go out with him or if I just felt like we couldn't go out with him because he was crying a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and the truth of the matter is like, we would go places and he would cry and like, that's what it is. Um, and so with that being like my reality, again, it's just like what Laura said, it, it doesn't have to be dates somewhere else. It's like, you can connect in different ways. And I think that's the huge part is just staying connected. Um, for guys, the truth of the matter is most, a lot of guys, their love language is physical touch Mm. and sex is a way to, for them to know that they're loved. And so at least for six weeks, like that's not going to be something that they're receiving. So trying potentially longer longer, and I will, uh, I don't know if Tim's going to listen to this or not, but I will (laughs) say it was longer the first yeah. go around for us. Um, mostly not because mostly it was a physical things that my body was recovering from, um, mm-hmm. from a pretty difficult birth. Um, but on, on the same token, like don't feel bad if at six weeks you're not raring to go. <laughs> I mean, your chances are you're stressed. You're stressed. Even if it's not emotional stress, like your body is stressed, you're not sleeping probably as much, Um, but also if you're breastfeeding, you know, it's a hormonal thing. Uh, Some things that are going on with estrogen there is creating a hormonal environment that is not conducive to awesome sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I mean, we'll just get real on here, but it's like, you're not going to, it's going to be a drier climate down there. Um, so keep that in mind. Like if you need to do some things to get, (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting red in the face. We talk about this, but I'm yeah. talking to like strangers right now. It's funny because I just, I don't care. I'll go on about it. <laughs> but I mean, do what you got to do. Foreplay, yeah. right? Um, that's yeah, a huge. Lot of foreplay. I will say, I'll put this out there. I'm not a fan of um, lube. And my reason for that is if you have to use lubrication, then your body's not ready. Mm-hmm. So I would say talk to your partner and let them know where you're at and like, Hey, and you know, maybe it's going to be a lot of foreplay or maybe Mm -hmm. it's, you just need to talk through it. Maybe you get intimate and then there's a point where you're just like, okay, we have to stop, but this is a good start. Um, but just like my, my opinion and you can agree or disagree. Anyone listening is that I think, um, lube kind of is a bandaid for potentially like your body emotionally, you're not ready physically you're not ready for, for that. So, um, it might be a few times. And then we've talked, talked to my husband about this already. Like maybe a few times we, we, um, play around, but there's not actual sex involved. I, I mean, sex can fall, you know what I mean? Like penetration, yeah. um, <laughs> to get real. So that's kind of how I feel about that. Like, and I think the most important thing you're, you know, based on what Jess was saying is that all this stuff is going on. You're, it's a drier climate. You're not emotionally ready. Your hormones are kind of crazy. All this stuff I think the best thing you do is just talk your partner through that mm-hmm. and let, so it's not just like, here's a wall put up. I'm not ready, yeah. but like, Hey, I'm not ready. And here's why. Right. So they feel like they're a part of that. And they understand that there's, there is going to be a time when this will change, this will pass. But right now here's where you're at and here's why here's other ways we might be able to be intimate. Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I will say, and I'm not by any means saying like, just have sex to make your partner happy or whatever. But at the same time, if it's recognizing, like if your spouse, if the, if connection, if they connect with you through sexual contact and that's how they feel and receive love, it's the same in a way if you receive love through 
you know, words of affirmation. Imagine mm-hmm. if you're not getting words of affirmation from your partner or support that way. And it's hard. Like you don't feel connected. So recognizing like, okay, you don't have to have sex first and foremost. Like there's other things that you can do for your partner to show them, you know, that I'm not going to give you a text, uh, a lesson here and uh, the other things, but there's other things you can do. Um, and so oh, I, love you. I said, Google it. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen, Oh my gosh, side note, we're getting carried away, but have you ever seen the talk show? It's with that old lady. It used to come on like oxygen. I think it was like Dr. Sue sex talk with like Dr. Sue anyways. No, but now I'm going to look it I up. I digress. It's hilarious. Cause she's like literally 85, but she's like holding dildos and stuff. <laughs> anyways my point is even for me I know personally if you're not like quote-unquote in the mood like once you get going things can change yeah on a day so don't necessarily write it off that's what I'm saying it's just gonna take some time probably more time I know for me um pregnancy was great in terms of sex life and so postpartum it might just take a little bit longer to you know get get to where we want to be but that's okay (laughs) it's just a matter of being open and being vocal and being Uh, Make sure you're communicative about those things with the partner. Totally. Communication is key. Mm -hmm. Um, Where are we at? What are we, what are we thinking here? I think, I think we've covered a lot of it. And I want to do a whole episode on this, but the big thing for us was like when, when I felt up for walking, just going on walks together, Mm -hmm. that's great. Baby's wrapped up and doesn't really need a lot of attention at that point. Um, if you, you know, time it, so baby's about to sleep, wrap her up, him up, go for a walk with your spouse. It, it, it's incredible. You're in the sun, maybe if you, depending on the time Mm -hmm. of year and where you live, but you're outside, you're breathing air, maybe go amongst the trees or wherever, someplace you guys like to walk. It's just time for you guys Mom's gets to move, which is huge, gets outdoors, which is huge. And then you're with your partner and it's a time without distractions. Leave your phone at home and just talk to each other on a, like a 20 minute walk. And that's, that's been really great for us. Yeah. And another thing I want to make sure I say this too, is the reason why I think, I mean, we're not perfect by any means, my husband and I, Tim, um, but we share the load and Mm-hmm. we have gotten into such a rhythm. Like I know there was some trouble postpartum when it was like, okay, we're juggling two kids now. Like who's going to do bath? Who's going to make dinner? Like, how is this going to work? Like just functionally, like how are we going to do this? Like together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of kind of like trial and error and figuring that out. But I think being very real with your partner and saying, I cannot do this by myself, whether you're a stay at home mom or whether you work out of the home, Um, and saying, these are the things that we need to figure out how this is going to work from here. Um, I think being very clear on that really takes a lot of stress out of the relationship as well, because it's like, if you come home and the trash is there and you expect your partner to do it, but he expects you to do it and y'all just like silently resent each other for like communication. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be helpful for anybody, but if you guys can just sit down like adults and talk about like, this is what I need. And this is what, and vice versa, your partner can say, well, I need help with this. And y'all can Mm -hmm. figure out a plan together. Like we've got it down to a science where like we come home, Tim takes the baby for a walk, Bear stays with me. I make dinner. He does the dishes. I give the kids a bath. Like he puts Bear down. I put baby down. Then I go and say goodnight to Bear. And it's like, it's clockwork. Yeah. And I love it. And, you know, it just makes everything go smoother if you can have that those expectations set. I love that. Actually, yeah. that's really good advice. Cause that's something I'm looking forward to is when we do get a routine right now, mm-hmm. it's like 
and brand newborn, yeah. there's very little, we have a nighttime routine now, which I love. Mm-hmm. Russ has been reading to her from doctors, uh, from, um, a little bit of Dr. Seuss, a little bit of Shel Silverstein while she does it, while she feeds. So I love that because I get to listen to, and it makes my heart melt, but Aww. you know, slowly but surely. And we got a good morning routine. I'm alone in the mornings, but we're together in the evenings. And, and I just, I, I look forward to seeing how that progresses as she gets a little bit more in a little bit more of a routine. Um, but I think that's huge. Finding totally. routine doesn't have to be rigid. It just Mm-mm. has to be like, kind of like you don't need to talk every night be like, okay, who's doing this? Who's doing this? You have it set and that's what you do. And I love that. It's yes. good, good advice to leave on. I think. Absolutely. Okay. Sweet. Cool. Thanks guys. We did it. I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, we are going to leave you again, our giveaway. Stay tuned for the end and we're going to give you some instructions. No, it's over by the time oh, this one over? airs. Oh, okay, darn. Okay. I'll cut that out. So <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> darn it. We probably already have a winner. Um, yeah. okay. Well then you can still like us on, what am I even saying? <laughs> you can still subscribe. Please subscribe. <laughs> like us on okay. Facebook. We don't have a Facebook page yet. Yeah. So. <laughs> so subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review. We're on Stitcher and iTunes now. Um, rate us. That would be awesome message us, email us. You can email us at modern mama's podcast at gmail.com. You can direct message either of us on Instagram, find us there. We each have posts that go up with each live episode. If you want live links, because iTunes won't let us do that. So live links to anything we talk about, go to our um, websites. Mine's my and Jess's um, hold the space wellness.com. Find us on Instagram. I'm Laura.radicalroots. Jess is Jess.holdthespace. And we love you guys. Thanks yes. for responding when we do calls for questions. That's really huge. And um, keep them coming. Yep. We Any love last it. thoughts, my friend? Nope. Just love the feedback. We read every single comment, review, and email. And it just makes us feel like a million bucks. Like a million bucks. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, we love so. this. You guys are going to make us keep going because this is, you know, we do this for you. I mean, yeah. selfishly, it's an hour for us to talk, but <laughs> totally <laughs> we love, love it. it. So Absolutely. Um, Thanks, guys. We will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye, guys. Bye.